Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. My name is Gorsha Huchua, and once again, I'm joined by my friend, Alex McNamara. Alex, hello. Hello. How are uh, you? I'm good. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Today's, uh, today's going to be a good show, um, because for once, you're, you're not going to just hear me talk, and I'm not going to hear you talk. Instead, we're going to uh, talk to uh, a professional, or I guess there's no professionals in the Olympics, a real life Olympian um, who, uh, who is going to share with us um, some of the background stories um, that are would be interest- interesting to our audience, our marketing audience, and just talk about the Olympics in general and what and what all of that represents. And uh, we're really excited to welcome Jordan Wilimowski today uh, to our show. Um, Jordan is uh, just to introduce him briefly, he's an American competitive swimmer. Um, he specializes in open water swimming. He is from California, from Southern California. Um, and Jordan, welcome to the show. Um, how long have you been doing this for? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I have been swimming for 18 years, wow. 17 years, I'm trying to think. A long time. <laughs> long time, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and you've uh, participated in uh, the games in Rio from what uh, from what we've read and what I remember, correct? Yeah, so I swam the uh, fifteen hundred and ten k in Rio and um, have qualified to swim the ten k in the uh, Olympics coming up this summer. That's incredible! Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's quite a it's quite a big difference in in distance there, fifteen hundred and ten k um how like to, like i'd love to sort of just understand the uh the, the specialisms of open water swimming because it's not something that i'm super familiar with yeah for sure so in the uh in the pool like the longest event you can participate in is the 1500 free and the next distance up is is 10k and so for us even though those are pretty like yeah like you said extreme differences in uh in swimming and time um it's kind of just like the next distance event so if you're a distance swimmer focus on distance swimming in general um yeah it's super fun to try and do both obviously open water um you know the name says it all it takes place in a uh, river lake or ocean not in the pool uh and it's usually a four lap 2.5k course so you swim you know four loops around uh you stop in the middle at the speeding dock to kind of take a drink in the middle of the race, which is adds like this, uh, you know, nutrition component to it that you don't really see in, in pool races and stuff like that. And also obviously, um, open water, you know, there's no lane lines or anything like that. So there's kind of contact drafting and, uh, like a, a pack mentality sort of like similar to you'd see in a, a cycling race. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, so like when you are, I guess, I guess, you, you know, I was going to just try to get an understanding of the, the differences, but yeah, it it sounds like there's a lot of um, the 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 pack mentality in an open water race. Um, what are the things that people who are watching one um, should be looking out for from the tactics uh, to get you know, to get to get a sort of insider's understanding of like what makes it really exciting? Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> exciting—that's a strong word for it. Uh, but yeah, the thing about open water racing that makes it cool is like even though it's uh, you know, 10 K race, usually around two hours, the, uh, oh. the finish comes down to like hundreds of a second all the time. And that's cause wow. um, there's yeah drafting involved. And so like, you'll see in the race, there's like a, a lead swimmer and then it kind of like V's out 
from there and everyone's trying to like get in the wake of the swimmer in front of them to reduce uh, drag and and that you know helps you conserve energy if you're in the back and also makes everyone kind of bunch together and so lots of times you know 9k in an hour and you know 45 minutes of racing and everyone's like lined up sprinting to finish so yeah long race to watch but the uh the finishes are usually pretty exciting are there do you get any sort of in the face a lot i was going to ask the same thing are there any, <laughs> under, are there any underwater shenanigans <laughs> yeah uh most of the time we're like i feel like it's pretty inadvertent you know um but obviously like that being said you can't really see other people that well obviously with water and everything like that so when you're kind of crossing over there's like a lot of contact you know accidental like elbows kicking punching and all that stuff uh actually i've heard that the girls races are a lot uh more physical so <laughs> they're pretty mean but um yeah for the most part if you get kicked or something it's usually by accident the girls they swim for keeps yeah for sure <laughs> um i read that you swim is this true you swim sixteen thousand meters per day um yeah on uh on days we do double workouts so a typical week for us is 10 sessions in the pool and we probably on average cover between 70 to 80 kilometers a week alex wow. when, when is the last time you covered 70 or 80 kilometers doing anything other than sleeping <laughs> in a car i think i did a pretty good week on a peloton once i think i might have done that but it's not it's not often that i do 70 or 80 kilometers of anything other than driving maybe how um is it is it um as as you kind of gear up towards competitive races olympics obviously aren't the only things on on your calendar um and actually i saw that you swim um in the world championships in kazan and i was actually just in kazan um earlier this year when i went back to russia and um they were so proud of their aquatics facilities there um it was cool to see that you actually participated in, in that uh championship yeah kazan was cool i mean the unfortunate part about getting to travel to all these places, you don't really get to check them out. So, yeah. you know, when I'm done swimming, hopefully I get to go back to, to, you know, some spots, but yeah, it was, it was super fun swimming is on. We got to go to the, uh, the, uh, you said aquatic facility. And I think the pool, uh, they made a temporary pool in the soccer stadium. Oh, wow. I don't wow. know if there's like a big soccer team there. So yeah. And then we swam in the, uh, the river, which is like right off the main road, which is cool. And so as you gear up for the, for these events, uh, what is your nutritional component? Like how, how much does that factor into uh, your preparation? Cause I'm assuming you're burning through a hell of a lot of calories. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I try and eat pretty clean and stay healthy, but yeah. Uh, when you're, when you're working out really hard and you know, you've just had a, like a tough workout, it's, it's a lot easier to get, you know, carbs and sugar through junk food <laughs> than, um, you know, eating healthy and stuff, <clears throat> excuse me. So yeah, so I try and, you know, eat, eat pretty healthy, make sure I'm getting like all the greens and proteins and everything like that. And then towards the end of the day, sometimes it slips up and like right now I've got a pizza waiting for me because I've already eaten dinner and I know like in an hour I'm going to be starving again. And, you know, I've got to make sure I, uh, eat before I go to sleep. <laughs> now see, that's, that's where, that's where we align on the double dinner. See, like that is something I eat like an Olympian. That's 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 good to know. <laughs> um, so uh, just shifting to the Olympics then specifically. So you, you, as you shared with us, you competed in Rio in 2016. Um, can you describe the feeling as an Olympian of being a part of that kind of an event? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Um, I think, you know, anytime you get to represent your country on the international stage is is pretty special and in swimming that's like 
the pinnacle for us. You know, we don't have a Super Bowl or a Stanley Cup or whatever it is. So when you're like a young kid, that's kind of like something you dream about. You know, when you do like a, a race with your friends in practice, when you're an age group, your coach is like, all right, you're racing at the Olympics for the gold or whatever. Um, so, you know, to kind of like dream about that and, and always have that in the back of your mind um, and then to finally get it, it's pretty cool. And then that being said, I think, yeah, the coolest part is, you know, wearing your country's uh, colors on your uh, sleeve and, sure. and kind of being able to be part of that team. For sure. Well, um, I, I've, I've been to the Olympics actually in London. Uh, Alex, have you ever been to the Olympics or what's like you have, you have same, same, same thing in London. Yeah. In London. Um, and I just, as a fan, you're constantly surrounded by um, not just other people, obviously, which is the coolest part and the athletes, but also by all of the brands that uh, sponsor the Olympics in one way or another. So like whether it's in the national houses that pop up in the host city or the Olympic fan zones, obviously like the actual brands inside the uh, athletic venues are quite limited. We're just discussing this a little bit before the podcast that um, there's only one or two, but usually on the grounds, it's, uh, it's kind of the monopoly of uh, the sponsors, it reigns supreme. So we as fans obviously notice this. Um, how do athletes interact with the brands during the Olympics? Do you also feel surrounded by them? Um, or is this something that kind of just goes by the wayside a little bit? Yeah, there's definitely like a, a branding component. You know, when you're in the village, uh, they have all these kind of uh, sponsor booths and stuff like that. You know, they'll have like a Samsung store in the village and they'll give you like a free phone and they'll have like another booth advertising i don't know whatever the big olympic sponsor is and they'll give athletes free products and stuff but mm -hmm. um nothing like actually outside for the fan experience because yeah i mean i had um like eight buddies from uh university come down uh to rio and they they were all rented a uh, airbnb and they were loving the uh the sponsor houses you know i'd get like videos and they'd have all this like free t-shirts free goodie bags <laughs> from like the png house and like the usa house and and all these places and um yeah i got to i got to spend a couple extra days down there after i was done competing and um yeah that's kind of like where all the events are you know like let's go meet up at this house and get some like free food and some gear and it's pretty fun yeah. i remember when i was um in in london on a train and his little girl asked their dad um why uh coke and mcdonald's sponsored the olympics mm -hmm. Um, because she, and I think I'm trying to remember the exact word she said was basically something like, aren't they supposed to be healthy? And, um, like what, what are your thoughts is like, like you just said, like you have to try and eat clean. Um, and the Olympics is sort of the pinnacle of, of being an athlete. Um, what are your thoughts? Like, how do you feel about brands that are you know, not traditionally in the health conscious circle being such a integrated um, part of the Olympics? Yeah, you know, I don't really know enough about like what those companies do in terms of like financial stuff that they get to sponsor the Olympics. But I imagine having, you know, such a big company being able to sponsor the Olympics, they do a lot of, you know, promoting and, and good stuff that make the Olympic Games what they are. So, you know, that being said, like, even though they aren't the healthiest options, um, like the awareness and stuff they can bring to the Games, I'm sure is, is probably pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like in the Olympic village, they actually have a McDonald's and that's like the big thing that everyone asks about. Cause it's free. So you go there and you <laughs> swipe your, uh, accreditation. It's just like whatever you want. And so, you know, some people go, I guess, before they race, which if it works for you. It works for you. But, uh, yeah, the last day I made sure I was like, I got to go check out this McDonald's. Cause otherwise like all my buddies are going to be like, did you go? And I, I wanted to say like, yeah, okay. Last day I went, I got some free stuff. <laughs> 
that's cool. great um and i think um sort of as as we're kind of like leading up to the games how far out on your training schedule do you start to plan um to heat your peak performance like on your competition date because i mean you know it's not it's not like you're you got a 5k next week you probably should get off the couch and go for a run i mean this this is what to be what years in the making or something yeah i mean for us it's kind of just like a year by year thing so um the beginning of the season i'll sit down with my coach and we'll kind of make a game plan for that year like what what we want like our winter training block to look like what we want our spring training block to look like kind of what meets you on a target and hit and then um you know adapt it as needed whether you know you're you're hitting the times you need more rest or whatever that may be but yeah i think a lot of people have a kind of a year by year approach or even longer you know i know um a lot of uh, kind of more experienced athletes on the U S team, they have kind of like a whole, you know, quad approach where it's like the first year after the Olympic games, like they take six months off or whatever that is. And then they build back in and, and they make sure they're like really peaking, you know, once every four years, which is, you know, pretty incredible amount of dedication for them to be able to do that. I'm more of, yeah, just like one year at a time. <laughs> um, and so I guess when in, if you're planning sort of one year at a time when the Tokyo Olympics 2020 was postponed to this year um, through, you know, because of the pandemic um, sort of like take us through the weeks leading up to that decision. Cause like you must've been like fully focused on, you know, your, your races. Um, how did that play out in, in your world? Yeah. So I think I'm trying to remember like the exact dates, but beginning of March, we had a meet in Iowa, like a pro swim series, which is like the closest thing to kind of like a pro swimming circuit of meets they have in the U S. And so finished that. And then I remember flying back, they kept talking about, you know, COVID-19 and this like outbreak in China and Mm -hmm. like, all right, what is like, don't really know what it is. And then I think it was maybe even a week later, they canceled, um, NC2As for swimming. And I think that was following the announcement of uh, NBA and NHL canceling their seasons. And so then you're, you're kind of thinking like, okay, like, uh, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> yeah. I still at that point, it didn't really like cross your mind that they, they postpone the Olympic games. You're kind of like, we'll do, you know, whatever you need to do to get through the next couple months. And, and then we'll have Olympic games and it'll be a, uh, it'll be a cool, like, you know, uh, celebration of making it through the last two months in hindsight pretty silly to <laughs> but at the time you're like okay yeah two months and we'll be good and then we'll be traveling and um yeah I mean I'd like friends and family would like book their tickets and stuff or flights at least um and then they shut down all the pools in Los Angeles and so for the next week I was driving down to Mission Viejo which is like a hour and 15 from me um for, for twice a day to uh, try and get training in. Um, but kind of during that time, more and more things started shutting down and you kind of get like the idea in your head, like, okay, I'm able to train, but you know, if, if someone I'm competing against isn't able to train, like I don't want to go to the Olympic games and have, have to race against people that have been out of the pool for two months, you know, like when you go there, you want to be at your best and you want to race it against people who are also at their best. Um, and so you're like, this is like kind of a weird situation and all these other like, teams around the country you hear like okay you know florida is able to train but cal is, is completely shut down and we actually had a um, a training trip planned at the olympic training center in colorado springs 
it's one that we do like every year, like a three week camp. And we were supposed to leave um, like on a Monday and they called us, I think on Saturday saying not only was the uh, training center shut down, but that the uh, USA swimming was going to partner with the U uh, S Olympic committee to, to post a letter saying like they, they want to support the, uh, the games being postponed. And I think that Monday, March 23rd, they, they came out and officially said we're postponing the games. And um, obviously like huge bummer, big handbrake on your <laughs> training and everything yeah. you've been doing. But um, I think, yeah, given like the, the circumstances and the state of the world, you know, you're like, okay, one year is not really the biggest of deals considering, you know, a lot of people are, in a lot worse spot than you are. So just like thankful that they were able to keep it and able to keep your spot on the team and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, that must have been, that must have been a really difficult time sort of mentally um, just like with, you know, your, the, the Olympics is a juggernaut. It's, it's not something that's going to move lightly. So for that to move um, for, you know, for, for your you know, three week training to suddenly get canceled, how did um how did you make sure you took a, a break like mentally to sort of process everything? I know like a lot of people have been um, turning to apps like uh, Calm and Headspace. Um, you know, Michael Phelps has done a lot of work with, um, with other apps. Um, like, is that, is that something that you use um, to process that, to decompress after, after a meet? Uh, I mean, yeah. So they had a, uh, a rep or something from my, uh, sorry, headspace come, uh, to our 2018 training camp and they gave everyone on the U S team, uh, like a year subscription and stuff. And so I've, I've used that a little bit, but I, I prefer just to kind of do a visualization and breathing and stuff on my own. Um, but that's something I've like kind of always done. So, um, it didn't, didn't necessarily turn to that or anything, but yeah, I just kind of took a couple weeks to just reset and not really do anything. I think I spent four weeks out of the pool, which is like the longest I've ever spent out of the pool in the last, you know, 10 years. And then, um, kind of got back into it in a, in a backyard pool and was like, okay, you know, like once you get the Olympics postponed, it's kind of like, yeah, you can take a breath and, and reset. Are you, were you, you're, you're based near the beach in Southern California. Were you able to get into the, into the ocean to train at all? Or is that like not something that you do or as Olympian, not something they recommend you doing? <laughs> um i mean we typically don't at that point you're like hey i mean if it's available to us and there's no other pools we will for a little bit but then in los angeles they shut down all the beaches too so that was kind of a, a no-go for the whole summer which is a bummer yeah you know there are stories um still coming out as recently as today even on npr about the uncertainty with the olympics as they were already rescheduled there's still uncertainty about them um i think uh the uh, people in Japan um, who were so excited about having the games there uh, have really sort of felt like this is a burden on on them because the vaccination rates there are super low. The COVID cases are still uh, pretty active. Any concern on on your part that it'll move again, given given all of this, or worst yes, worst you know case canceled? Yeah, I mean, so far from what we've heard from the United States Olympic Committee and USA Swimming is that they're they're going through with it uh, somewhere or another. Uh, I mean, they've already told us, you know, this is going to be a pretty different experience, nothing like any uh, world championships or Olympic games you've been to. So kind of just preparing for that. But um, in terms of canceling, 
yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously it's a possibility and unfortunately if they were to cancel it, my best guess would be they'd do it at the last possible second, which is not great for the athletes. But um, like the reason I think they, they probably, or they're going to go through with it is because last year when the, uh, the pandemic's kind of struck and there was like a lot of rumors even among USA swimming like that they'd postpone it or do something and like a couple weeks before they said anything and um you know this time around every time they come out with an announcement about uh Japan doing something with their new lockdown measures USA swimming's come out and said like they're going to run the games they're still you know 100% in on it so as of right now I think they should go but you know, I said that a year ago. So, <laughs> yeah, I think what's, in, what's interesting is they did the NBA bubble and that worked successfully in, in England. They did the Premier League sports bubble and that worked for the most part successfully. It all fell apart when they did the internationals. So it'd be interesting to see if they can replicate that because it's it's the Olympics is fairly self-contained in like you're in kind of like they were in Disneyland for the NBA. You're in a contained area you can mitigate who comes in and out through the, you know, the four weeks. So, you know, hopefully with that experience behind them and seeing how they've done it before, it's something that they can replicate again. Yeah. I mean, they've talked to us kind of about their like uh, contact tracing measures and um, social distancing that they're going to be practicing in the village and really limiting the, uh, the amount of like support staff. So I think, you know, every team has to cut down their amount of, uh, support staff they're bringing just to limit the numbers and um some other like COVID testing I think now they're trying to do it every single day every athlete needs to get tested so yeah they're definitely putting a lot of measures in place to try and make it as safe as possible and I think um I mean every U.S. athlete should have the opportunity to get the vaccine prior to the game so um yeah I think from my perspective it'll probably be pretty safe if it runs but yeah you never know (laughs) And talking about it being different, uh, are friends and family allowed to join you on this trip or is that a no-go for them? Yeah, unfortunately it's a no-go. Um, they came out, I think like six weeks ago saying there'd be no foreign spectators. And now I think they are undecided about even if there'll be domestic spectators. So oh, wow. yeah, uh, friends and family, unfortunately will have to be watching at home. My brother already jokes that he's trying to get a, uh, international press pass but (laughs) progress on that's been slow so i'm not holding my breath um yeah probably watch from home yeah that's 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 going to make for a very different competing experience i'm sure um all right well now that we are a marketing pod obviously let's chat chat a little bit about that angle about brands and sponsorships we touched on it um at the at the top of the podcast but um, you know, we, as we talked earlier about your experience with brands at the Olympics as an athlete, is there a noticeable uptick in interest and activity from brands and potential sponsors in the months that lead up to the games, either from just like people, you know, or with you specifically? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, that's like something that's cool about the Olympics in terms of, uh, being an athlete there, you know, usually like sponsorship opportunities aren't super easy to come by um you know like your olympic olympic sport you know there's not really a lot of uh, media attention around that for most of the olympic cycle but yeah come you know a couple months out of the games that's kind of where definitely where it picks up um yeah i I just signed with a uh tier swimsuit company um like a month a month ago and then um like just some other stuff on social media like people reach out like hey 
do you guys want some free product or something like that in terms of just like posting about it or, you know, um, being able to like wear it, wear something in the village. And I know, uh, four years ago, or I guess five now, um, I wasn't able to do any of it because I was still competing in college. And so you can't take anything for free or any money, but, um, a lot of the guys on the team would just like reach out to, you know, clothing companies they liked or like, um, I don't know, like beauty products, I guess that would be more like probably <laughs> the girls would reach right. out to them and be like, Hey, I'm going to the Olympic games. Like, is there any way, you know, you could send me some free stuff and I'll wear it or market it for you at the games. And most of these companies were like, yeah, right on. Like we're, we're stoked to support our, you know, Olympic team and they'd send them free product or, you know, maybe like a small short-term deal. So definitely a big uptick come uh, Olympic games time. So uh, you just said that you, you had a couple of, um, couple of brands that um, reached out. Um, can you just talk a little bit um, about what are you looking for in a, in a sponsor? Uh, obviously besides just mutual interest uh, um, and, you know, kind of give us maybe a, an idea of the total number of brands that you think you will, um, you, you will be sponsored by going into the games. Um, so yeah, probably just uh, the tier. And then um, I recently signed with an, like a goggle company called the magic five. And so um, just those two brands. And then maybe uh, I've been doing this Instagram thing for uh, Warren Alps, which is like a men's sunscreen and like face lotion thing. So they've just been giving me some free product to post about them. So probably those <laughs> come to the Olympic games, but in terms of, yeah, brands that I'd be looking for, it'd be something that I'd probably use regardless if I was getting paid or not, you know, I'm not really super into social media, like personally. And, and so like promoting mm -hmm. something that I wouldn't have used prior to that is super strange. I mean, even promoting stuff that I do use, is a little strange. So the idea of being like, Hey, you guys should check this out. And I have no interest in using it. seems super weird. So definitely Inauth like inauthentic, right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, like I don't want to be on social media to like sell stuff. So um, yeah, I wanted to be something that I'd, I'd be interested in, like regardless of they approach me or not. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, just yeah, stuff that's in like kind of the swimming or outdoor space. Mm -hmm. So so you wouldn't learn to love a brand like Shaq loves Epson printers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely don't have a big enough following too where. I posted about yeah that I'd have all my buddies be like, dude, you don't have like a printer. Come on, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you printing? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely looking for like the intersection of like your your you as a brand as uh, values and the and the brand sponsorship values and things that you care about and and things that they care about. Um, and that's like that sounds like the the best collaboration rather than just saying I'll sell whatever it is for 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 the money jack and your and your absent printers um but from from time to time we hear stories about how an athletic body like usa basketball will have one deal and then there's like the superstar athlete um who have another deal with a with a competitor brand and there might be a conflict um is there a is there a sort of difference between the deals that usa swimming do and what you do in terms of your sponsorship um does like one take preference over the other one do you have any like um swim lanes <laughs> swim lanes yeah uh the the usa swimming the olympic games um 
like their their sponsors obviously take precedence so when you're um in the village or on the pool deck or something like you have to be wearing that that like specific logo so i know Mm -hmm. team usa uh the us team excuse me is outfitted with arena so when you're on the pool deck you need to be wearing arena apparel um Mm -hmm. and then obviously you can race in the suit cap and goggles of your your sponsor and then um in the village and stuff like that they really push you wearing the nike and uh um other you know sponsored u.s gear so yeah you're not walking around team usa is like pretty nike heavy not walking around in an adidas sweatshirt or something like that <laughs> you don't um i mean i guess swimming is fairly equipment light i know that with some uh sports there's a lot of different equipment and so preferences in terms of just performance come into uh, into play but like in your case if you had goggles that you just absolutely love would you ever consider giving them um giving them up for um a sponsored kind of pair um if if there was a deal on the table would you walk away from it just because um you you prefer to just swim with something that feels good to you doesn't even get into that level of nuance with swimming i'm not sure yeah i mean like in terms of like just personally (laughs) deals that be coming my way it's not really um that big of an offer that i'd be like you know i'm just ditching something that i like for something that i could we would never use so uh yeah that doesn't really come into play that much but um i think you know for the most part there's there's like such a small number of of suits and and stuff like that for people to race in that there's not really a huge huge difference in like someone you know one suit over the other i mean obviously there are kind of unique aspects to each racing suit and um ones that certain athletes enjoy but i think like in terms of someone coming to you with a deal and being like here you go it's not really the, the suit and the money isn't really the, the make or break there. Right. Do you, um, do you think that athletes in sports um, that don't have year round spotlight, like basketball, tennis, hockey, um, football, uh, get enough support from brands in between the Olympic periods? I mean, I'd say no, but I totally understand why they wouldn't. I mean, you, you want an athlete that's going to be in the spotlight, 24 seven. So it's, it's understandable. I mean, obviously I love swimming and I think it'd be cool if there was, you know, a lot more of a, uh, uh, like a market for that and, you know, ability for, you know, swimmers to make more money and, you know, have that be like a, a career where you, you swim and then you can be done or something like that. But, you know, for the most part, swimming careers are relatively short and, um, unless you're Michael Phelps, you know, after you're getting a job. So <laughs> um, it's cool in that way though, too, because it's like uh, being more niche sports, a lot smaller of a community. And I think, you know, everyone's there because they love it as opposed to, you know, there to make money. But yeah, hopefully one day it could grow a little bit. <laughs> how um, how much uh, support, I guess, during the your active phase as, um, as a competitive swimmer do you get from... Um, USA swimming from the US national like Olympic team. Um, in some countries, these are, you know, these athletes, they're basically on salaries uh, in places like China, in places like Russia. Um, that's their source of income. They don't have to worry about sponsorships. I know for many American athletes, sponsorships are a lifeline between big competitions. Um, once you get selected, um, is there, um, is, does that pressure kind of dissipate a little bit do do the organizations kind of support you during your training period 
Yeah, so the way it works uh, with USA Swimming is uh, it's all about world ranking. And so the top eight swimmers are like, so if you're top eight in the world in your event, you get a, uh, a certain amount of a stipend each month. And then obviously the lower down the ranking, the less of that stipend you get. And so that's kind of like your base pay. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, it's not, not a ton of money. So it's like you're trying to find other ways through a competition or sponsorship to kind of supplement that. Um, so, you know, if, if you have a bad year and fall out of the top eight or whatever that is and lose that stipend, you know, it's pretty difficult to keep going. If, if you like, you know, want to support yourself, if you don't want to be paying out of pocket to swim. Um, and so, yeah, like kind of the way most swimmers, I guess, do it is you get that top eight spot. Um, you get money from competing at, at like national and international meets and then um, money from a, like a suit deal or something like that as well. And that like each one in, in itself isn't, you know, necessarily a huge number, but altogether, you know, you're sure. able to support yourself and, you know, keep training. What advice um, would you give to like as an athlete and, I, and we talked about sort of, I guess you don't, you don't see yourself as like this big, you know, big brand uh proactively chasing a lot of sponsorship dollars. But if, if you were to give advice as, as just a competitive athlete to marketers who are looking to sponsor athletes, what would be the, maybe the preferred inroads um, versus something that's maybe crass and unwelcome? <laughs> um, man, I don't know. I think, you know, for the most part, most athletes are like pretty stoked to be uh, approached by a brand, you know, even if they're not, they're going to say no, like, um, they're not really getting bombarded with them to the point where it's like, this is annoying. You know, I don't really want to even engage with them. And so, you know, at like the very least you're like, Oh, this is cool. Let me, you know, forward it on to my agent and, and they can kind of come back and be like, Hey, you know, doesn't look like there's going to be a deal here, but it's not really like any skin off the athletes back to, to reach out to them in some sort of way, or just be like, Hey, we're a fan. Can we send you some free product? Um, any, anytime that happens, you're like, Oh, this is, this is sick. Like get some free stuff. At least this is cool. Um, and you know, even if you don't like know of the brand or whatever it is, you know, like they send you something. The first thing you do is you check them out. Like, you know, what are they about? Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd say just, you know, reach out to athletes and stuff. They, they definitely like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would be your dream, uh, brands to have as a sponsor? Oh, a good question. Um, yeah, swimming's like I said, I mean, once I got my uh, suit and goggles and all that stuff covered and very happy with those. So um, I guess the only thing that I could think of would be like an apparel sponsorship. So mm-hmm. man, I don't know what I'm trying to think. Patagonia would be cool. I like their shirts and stuff and they're like outdoor focused. Uh, Do you need a towel sponsor? <laughs> or flip flop sponsor? Here, Tears got uh, me covered on the towels. Um, yeah, I guess like shoes, maybe. I don't know. Um, I mean, I would say like a car company and get a free car, but <laughs> yeah. in terms of ones that I'd use, yeah, like I think the only thing that it, I would need would be like apparel, uh, additional apparel and stuff. And yeah, like something like Patagonia would be cool, but probably Crocs as well, just to keep you, you know, secure on the pool deck, right? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you've got the marketing brain already activated, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> what's, uh, um, what's, what's in the future for you sort of post, uh, post your competitive, um, kind of 
uh, life, if, if, if I can call it that. Uh, you still have the Olympics obviously ahead of you and probably some juice left in the tank afterwards. But uh, what are you thinking about beyond, beyond the sport? <laughs> you know, I haven't really honestly put that uh, too much thought into that. You know, it's a good question. <laughs> um, but definitely would like to do something in the business world, maybe work for like a year or two and then go to business school um, and then kind of see, see like what opportunities are out there. But yeah, I haven't really sat down and thought about it yet. That's fair enough. Well, uh, we uh, would love to wish you all the best in um, the upcoming games. Hopefully they do happen. Um, hopefully uh, they are super successful for you and uh, you come back with some hardware um, around around your neck. Um, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time just chatting with us today, um, sharing your perspective. It's, um, it's unique. It's not one that uh, we often here and our listeners so um, again thank you so much for um, for just chatting with us for the last half an hour yeah absolutely thanks for having me